0: Joe does just such a wonderful job of, of leading us by the power of the Spirit into, into worship. And if you don't know, uh, there's a lot of thought and prayer that goes on into what Joe does and, and the way that he prepares his songs uh, to fit the message. And I really pray that you guys, when you, when you come, that you really sit in the midst of these songs and really hear the words and the lyrics, that they're not in vain, they're not the, the, the cool radio hit, and we're not trying to do that. We're really trying to give you gospel truth, scripture, and song so that your heart can turn to God and exalt him and no one else. And so thank you, Joe. Uh, I kind of didn't want it to end, but we'll move on into the scripture. Just to update you, Casey was supposed to teach this morning. We found out about two hours ago he's been throwing up had a little bug. And so I'm filling in. And we're going to kind of usher into uh, the rest of Paul's thought as uh, Casey has walked us through uh, the unrighteousness of not only Jews and Gentiles, but now we're moving into the unrighteousness of all people. And so if you would turn to Romans 3, we'll be in verse 9 and we'll move through verse 20. And so like I've said for the last, the past several weeks, we've really set into this unrighteousness and I know it's not a popular thought as Paul is pounding on us as Um, as our unrighteousness that we think we in some way can be righteous but we're not that we fall short of that and we'll see that as we continue into Romans chapter 3 and so this morning Paul really wants to finish this thought he really wants to finish the thought that we are all unrighteous that none of us are righteous none of us can obtain this goal apart from what God has done and so he really wants to hammer that home, that the law, it was never intended to save us, but it was a means to show us that we needed a savior, that we fell short of that, that we can't achieve it on our own. And so Paul is really going to put this thought in our minds. And what he does is he sets it up in kind of this court courtroom setting. And so if you look at verse 9, that's the picture here That all humanity is guilty, and Paul is going to prove this to us, and he starts in verse nine, if you will, read with me, he says, What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all, for we have all for we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin, as it is written. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God, all have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throats is an open grave, and they use their tongues to deceive. The venom of ass is under their lips, their mouth is full of curse and bitterness, their feet are swift to shed blood, and in their past, their ruins and misery. In the way of peace, they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, we know that whatever the law says it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole law and the whole world may be held accountable to god for by works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin and so this is where paul starts in verse 9 he says this he poses two questions to us and the charge begins like this. He says, what then? What then? The idea is what is the point of further testimony? Right? Paul has, has, been, has been hammering home to us that both Jews and Gentiles are not righteous in their own ways. Under the law and the laws that they've created in their religion. And so Paul has already done this, and so it's like, what is the point? Why do we have to continue in this? And then he asks another question, anticipating what they may be thinking, and they say, and he says, "We are Jew- Are we Jews any better off? Are we any better off? That is to say, do we have a a better basic nature than those who have been shown condemnation? Are we somehow better than those who have already been condemned?" And so Paul. Paul also in this question, if you notice, look in verse 9, if you notice, he uses the word we. And so the question is, is is not only, he's not condemning them, but he's including himself into this. Paul has included himself into this. He says, we. Paul has already walked through both the Jews and Gentiles, and so his viewpoint here is referring not only to them, but himself. And also all the believers in Rome already. So Paul is saying this in a sense. He says, are we Christians in ourselves better than the group of those people that have already been shown condemnation? Are we somehow better than them? And look at Paul's answer. As he continues in verse 9, look what he says. He says, no, not at all. Not at all. We are in ourselves. We are not any better than anyone else. Paul is clear in this point. He continues, he says, For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. And this idea here says that we've already been charged. It's this legal term that says it designates that the person hasn't already been charged with something. He's already been guilty. It says we all are under that. We're all under that. We've all been given offense, we've offended God. And so I love this word under. It's a common Greek term. that It doesn't simply mean just beneath sin. It means that it has power over us. It has dominion over us. That we're in bondage to it. That we're enslaved to sin. All of us. We're not just right under it and we can move out from under it. We're in bondage to it. We are enslaved to it. And so then Paul goes on, and this is his indictment. Look at verse 10. And to verse 10 through verse 17, he says this, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have all become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throats is an open grave. And they use their tongues to deceive. Venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curse and bitterness. And their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruins and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. And so in this indictment, Paul breaks it down. There's three sections right here. We're going to move through it real quick. And there's three sections. In the first, verse 10 through 12, it's the character of the accused. This is the character. This is the character of the unrighteous man. Look what he says. He says, for it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one has the ability to understand how to achieve righteousness apart from God. We can't do it. The Jews tried to do it, and they failed. We today as Christians, we try to do it in our self-righteousness and we fail. We try to set up systems that make us look good on the outside, that we put on these facades and yet we continue to fail, continue to fail. And he goes on to say that no one seeks for God. No one seeks for God. Here's the beauty of that though. God seeks after you. He seeks after your heart. And in our seeking, because there is a part to where we seek out God, but it's because God first sought us. He called us. And he gives us that ability to seek him. And so it's all about God. It's not about us. And then he goes on to say this. He says, all have turned aside. Together they have become worthless Not even one. And this military term here, to turn aside, means that they just completely deserted the battle. And so the Jews would have known this term, that in the the midst of this battle, they've completely abandoned God. And we've seen that throughout redemptive history. We've seen the Jews completely abandon God and turn and run. Because they felt that there was something they could do, that they could achieve to bring about righteousness. And Paul's standing here, he's saying, no. He's quoting the Old Testament. He's saying, no, no one does good. You have turned aside. You have ran. You have abandoned God to seek after your own righteousness. And he says, this is the character. This is the character of man that we have all done that. We've all sinned against God. And just as Joe reminded me this morning, it's not necessarily all. When we hear this, it sounds so it sounds so negative it sounds so bad like none are righteous not even one like there's nothing good in us and there isn't but here's the good thing that god did create us in his image and so spiritually we are we are nothing we are wretched but god created us in his image because he loves us and he wants to seek after us and he wants to bring us into his righteousness through his son jesus christ so that's the good news and so then the conversation continues, and in verse thirteen he says, This is what it looks like. This is this is what the heart and the mouths of those who do not know, who those who try to seek their own righteousness. It says in verse thirteen, it says, Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive, their venom of asps is under their lips, and their mouth is full of curse and bitterness. Their mouth is an open grave. What an imagery. And when I think of this verse, I think that as, as believers, we have opportunity to speak life into other people, right? But if we don't have Christ, if we try to achieve this on our own, all we do is speak life of death into other people. We try to build them up. We try to take them and build some kind of self-character in this 12-step program that makes them look good and feel good about who they are, and all we're doing is speaking death into them if we're not giving them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the unrighteous person is this. They may think they're doing good, but in all reality, they're speaking death into the life of people if it's about who they are. And so, their throats are an open grave, and their tongue is... And they use their tongues to deceive. And we've seen that too many times in the life. There's so many examples that we probably all can give to where the tongue is deceived, manipulated, use things to their advantage because they don't care about who you are. They only are out for their own gain. And their mouths are full of of curse and bitterness. And so this is what it looks like to those who are unrighteous. This is what comes out of their heart. It's death. It's not life. And so then the third section of this, it says the conduct. This is their conduct. Look at their conduct here. It says their feet are swift to shed blood and in their past they're ruined in misery. The ways of peace they have not known. They do not know peace. They can't know peace apart from Christ. The only peace they have wavers between their human thoughts, their human intellect, it pikes and it falls, it peaks and it falls, it peaks and it falls. It will never be consistent. They will never have hope. They will never have true love apart from Christ and apart from his hope. And so in that, their conduct looks what? Selfish. And how many times have we seen, how many times in our own lives have we acted selfishly and it's hurt others? It may have not caused bloodshed here, but to some degree, it's hurt. It's wounded people. You know, not physically, but spiritually. It's wounded the heart. And so the unrighteous person, if their conduct is all about themselves, they mar the image of the gospel. Because the gospel's for all. It's not self-seeking. It's for all. And so they do not know peace. Peace. And then in verse 18, here's the motive. Here's the motive behind all of this. It says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. They don't fear God. The motive for man's sinfulness is built, on, is built in his ungodliness. He doesn't care about God. He doesn't care who God is. He is his own God. He is self-motivated by what makes him feel good, look good, and how he acts and how he can obtain the most glory he can obtain here on Earth, which is none at all. It's false. It's a false belief. And so his motive is that there is no fear for God before their eyes. And so in this, we see where the verdict that Paul gives us in verse 19 through28, this is the verdict. This is where it all falls. Look at verse 19. It says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works the law, by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. The verdict is in, and every unredeemed human being jews and gentiles is under the law of god and accountable to god so there is no salvation through the keeping of god's law we can't obtain that because sinful man is incapable we are incapable of following the law that's the beauty of the law it shows us that we need a savior that we need god's righteousness and not my own I love Matthew and then how chapter 5, Jesus enters into the Sermon on the Mount and the first thing out of his mouth in his public ministry he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who will humble themselves and understand that they can't do it on their own. That they must become poor in spirit. They must abandon who they are and what they can achieve and rely completely on God and his righteousness. What A beautiful message of the gospel. And that's what Paul's trying to say here. That's what he's showing us in this section. That we cannot obtain righteousness apart from God and his righteousness through his son Jesus Christ. And so, that's the good news. And so to give you a small preview to what we're going to look at next week, Romans three twenty one. if you kind of skip ahead, here's the beauty. Here's the beauty of the good news. It says, verse 21, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, for all those who believe, for there is no distinction. There is no distinction. The gospel is for all. All have fallen short of it. All are unrighteous, but yet at the same time, God has given us grace through his son, Jesus Christ, that we may obtain this righteousness so that he can impute it upon us and that we can stand right before God. And that is good news. And that is good news. And so God, and so Paul has taken what God's, I mean, Paul has taken um, our thought process and has brought us from Really, condemnation and being unjust and unrighteous and bringing us to this point to where he says, salvation is in Christ and Christ alone. You can't achieve it on your own. You can't. And so, under the law and under self-righteousness, there can be no sentence but death. It's the only sentence there is. It's death. But in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, we have life. We have life. We are righteous. We will stand before the judge right. And that is good news. Let me pray. Father. God we thank you that you knew long before we were even created. That we were incapable of achieving righteousness. And that in your sovereign plan you sent your son to be that sacrifice. To be the one who stood right and stood perfect in the law. And took the wrath of God. Father, we are thankful for the life of Jesus Christ. And we are thankful for his death and his resurrection. For he gives us life. father i pray that in our selfish desires to seek righteousness father remove that from our hearts humble us allow us to to know that we need you make us poor in our spirit and let us humble ourselves before you our god our king and our savior